0: Why is it so green where you're from? It must be Zamsos growing in your yard, garden or barn. You've done it right, you see.
1: Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Nolan Guthrie, and I want to thank you all for joining us on the Zamzo's Garden Show. Today we're gonna have our follow up to the conversation we had a few weeks ago with Jim Zamzo. Jim is with us here again. Jim, how's it going?
2: Going great, Nolan. Good yeah. morning.
1: Thank you very much for coming in again. I know we got some great response from people right away from doing that show, and I had a great time. I think you had a good time. Yeah,
2: it's it's great to talk to you about things like this because uh, things come out of the cobwebs, yeah. I guess. Yeah, that we no. We, talked about in a while. we
1: we just spent some time listening to that last. Show, so we wouldn't duplicate. I'm sure we will probably duplicate a little bit, but that's okay. We're gonna talk about some different things. And in the last show, what we were really trying to talk about was why is Zamzos here? Why is Zamzos doing lawn garden and pet and and we talked a lot about lawn and we talked a lot about history and a lot of things that were going on but the thing i like the most about what we were talking we were going a little deeper (laughs) (laughs) we were going a little deeper into a soil conversation and we want to talk a little bit more about that and how what we put into it gives us more so jim what in your opinion makes a good soil
2: Let's go back and talk a little bit about the history of how soil is created in the first place. We start off with base rock, and as rock is eroded into rock and gravel and then sand and then the finer stuff we call clays, we end up with a base soil. Then we've got things that start to grow in it, which then die and add some humus to the soil. So we've got all the minerals from the mother rock. We've got the organics from the growing microorganisms and the plants that are growing in it. And then that soil over generations creates itself. So you end up with a very healthy soil in a natural situation where you've got a balance of carbon and nitrogen and phosphorus and all these trace minerals and the bacterium and the fungi and all these things. And you've got an ecology going on there until in steps man. (laughs) And uh, let's take a look at when we hit the plains. Our forefathers went in there and they broke that sod and they grew fantastic crops. They grew so much wheat in that virgin soil for the longest period of time until eventually they just depleted it. Right. Well, once they had gotten it down to the place where it wouldn't grow much... Of course, along came the discovery of chemical fertilizers. Then they could boost the growth of crops with chemical fertilizers, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. At the same time, they're burning out the carbon, which we talked about before. With every bit of nitrogen they put on, they burn out the carbon, which killed the microbes and the microbes are the little critters that are creating the acids and so on that etch the natural trace minerals out of the sands and the clays and so on so our soils become depleted of the trace minerals then they become unhealthy then insects and disease come in and then that brings us to the present and that kind of reminds me of a of a story <laughs> i uh, traveled to to russia with the governor here a couple of years ago, and we had with us a a bunch of livestock men and women, and we were on the train between uh, Moscow and St. Petersburg, and the conversation came up about why their cattle weren't doing quite as well as they had generations in the past. Most of these ranchers were third or fourth generation. In fact, many of them, their great-grandfathers actually homesteaded Uh, the ground here in Idaho so that the property's been in their in their family all this time right but in talking to them you know the grass used to be back high to the cows and they always had healthy calves and they had good conception rates and and they didn't have any of the problems that go along with the with the calving of cattle and so on and they said you know we don't understand why things aren't going quite as well as they did for our grandfather. Yeah. And I said, well, uh, what are you putting back in your soil? And they said, well, you know, you run a thousand head of cattle on the ground, and it gets all manured back in there, and and their hooves work up the soil, and uh, we're not taking anything away. And I said, oh, really? So uh, let me ask you a question. Let's just say that you have one animal unit per acre of ground, and we consider an animal unit a thousand pounds of of cow or okay. whatever it might be. Okay, you run that calf on that ground until it reaches market size, and then you haul it away. Yeah, how much of that animal of per thousand pounds is bone and teeth and and right. so on? Well, it's it's. Uh, over half. Yeah. Okay. So let's just say that it's 500 pounds. The average cow maybe weighs 1,500 to right, whatever right. it is. Every year you're taking away four or 500 pounds per yeah. acre of calcium, <laughs> phosphorus, magnesium, yeah. and trace minerals, and you're not putting anything back. You think that just putting back the manure, you're just putting back the organic material is all that that soil needs, when in fact, we probably should be taking a look at what we might have harvested because we've taken thousands of tons of trace yeah. minerals away from that ground.
1: Right. No, that's a that's a great difference in a way of thinking. They've been doing it for years. That's how their grandfathers probably right. did. They probably weren't really adding, and so that has carried on, but- there's a lot being left, but more is being taken away. Yeah. And everything we do, everything we take out, we've got to put back right. because otherwise it's going to be out of balance. It's not going to work properly, and things are going to start happening. Well, let's
2: so. just use one element as an example. Let's just say that those cows use up all the copper in the ground. Right. My dad used to, we could drive down a driveway to a farmer's house, to a dairy or whatever. And, and my dad could tell if the cows, if they were hostings, were copper deficient. Right. He'd say, you know, they're either copper deficient or they're wormy. Well, I found out later sometimes that's the same thing. Hmm. You know, if you're copper deficient, the animal's more apt to have parasites. Right. You Increase the copper. And and, and he, I'd say, how can you tell that? Well, the the cow's Where they're supposed to be black will kind of shine a coppery color they have kind of have a red Mm. color when the when the sun hits them what does that mean to a producer well without adequate levels of copper you have bad conception rates it's part of the immune function it helps to control how much iron is in the blood copper is such a tremendous element in the health so we have to we really have to take a look at replacing some of those nutrients back into the soil.
1: Right. I learned so much with this company constantly. It's, it's always about putting back. It's always about giving more back than what you took out of it. So it was a great start to this uh, part two of our, our conversation from before. We'll the
0: ZAMSO's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk 670 KBOI.
3: Hi this is Callie Zamzo and once we get into November some people think it's too late to put down their Zamzos Recharger. Well nothing could be further from the truth. That's because in November we often get a fair amount of moisture along with a variety of temperatures making that sunny day a great time to apply lawn food and that rainy day a great way to water it in. So as long as there's not snow on the ground if you're thinking about applying your Zamzos Recharger go for it. Zamzos Recharger is biologically correct, formulated by Zamzos for our high pH soils and safe to apply in any season. Our slow-release formula greens your lawn now, while at the same time deep-feeding it all winter long. So next spring, when your lawn wakes up, it's healthy, green, and ready to grow as soon as the soil warms up. Remember, you can buy ZAMZO's Recharger one bag at a time or as part of our annual 5-Step Lawn Program. And if you purchase or renew your ZAMZO's Lawn Program now, you can get next year's program at this year's lower price. So come see us now at ZAMZO.
0: Health, yeah, it does. The Ben Shapiro. Show, weekdays from 1 to 3 on 670 KBOI.
1: Okay, and we are back here on the Zamzo's Garden Show. I am your host, Nolan Guthrie, and we are doing a pre-recorded show with the man in charge. (laughs) He never likes to hear something like that. Jim Zamzo is here with me. We're doing a pre-recorded show. Jim, before we went to this last break, you were telling us a story about how some ranchers were having harder and harder time getting more production the same amount really of production out of their cattle they were having to feed more having to supplement more they were having to do all this and and you kind of helped open their eyes to the idea that you know they were leaving the manure and they were they were leaving a lot of things there but what they were taking off those fields was The bone and the teeth and and the intestines, those things that don't necessarily make it into our food, but are still things that should be left and aren't being put back into the soil.
2: Well, they thought that they were doing things right for generations, and they were, except for they didn't realize they were mining the soil.
1: Yeah. That's a great way to put it, actually. I mean, you are mining, you are taking it out, even though it was unintentional, you're not. You know doing it maliciously you know we're, we're producing we're doing things we're we're providing for our family and for other people but yeah it is it is mining you are removing it from where it was originally that is removing something and so it needs to be replenished somehow
2: right if you can keep the soil functional you're not going to deplete it so much because if the microbes are functioning in the soil and you do have some mother rock there be it granite sand or whatever Those microbes will start, will release those nutrients on a consistent basis over a period of time. What happens is when we change the ecology of the soil, we do that by monoculturing, growing the same crop year after year or in the long term with cattle cattle deplete soil really quite vigorously. Yeah. I'd like to talk a little bit sometime about what plants are left when you deplete the soil and what those indicator plants do especially mm. in ranching and BLM ground, but that's for another <laughs> uh, for another topic. Let me circle around now. We talked about how livestock can deplete the soil. Let's take a look at uh, just our regular farming practices. Yeah alfalfa for an example maybe we're in a high mountain valley we're up in council Cambridge or or we're someplace like that and three or four generations ago everything was doing well and they've got these tremendous harvest crops and they had no problems with weevil in their hay or uh, no problems like that and all of a sudden they realize wow maybe we are depleting boron from our soil mm. or Again, back to copper again. Yeah, it's right. A, uh, so row cropping can deplete soil, mm-hmm. and so can growing lawns and gardens. Right.
1: That's a good point. I mean, a lawn is essentially a, a monocrop. It's the only thing growing there for year after year after year, and there's Absolutely. there's no diversity in that. So
2: Right. So we have to... We have to add things back in, especially if we mow our lawns and remove the grass clippings. We're harvesting every week. Right, exactly. (laughs) So that's the reason our lawn program is so helpful in keeping the soil healthy. But let's talk about growing healthy fruits and vegetables. We do grow these crops for long periods of time to eventually we deplete certain minerals and the plants become unhealthy. Right. We can use nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, chemical fertilizers, and we can grow the most beautiful peaches and the most beautiful apples, but you know what? You pick them, and three days later, they're rotting yeah. because they don't store, because they don't have adequate trace minerals, and they don't have what we call the phytonutrients, all of the things in a plant that makes it look and smell like that particular mm. species. Yeah. For example, what makes an apple taste and smell like an apple? Those are phenolic compounds. Yeah. If you don't have very many of those in a fruit, it doesn't taste good. I mean, it looks pretty, but it doesn't taste right, good. It right. does, it's not sweet. It doesn't taste very apple Yeah. How many times do you buy a beautiful big peach, and it's the most gorgeous thing, and you cut into it, and you put your... you got to use whole cream on a peach. <laughs> you <know? laughs> anyway, you put a little sugar and cream on your peaches, and, and you go, not so much yeah what happened to that delicious sweet peachy peach that grandma used to make you know it's because we're growing this fruit too fast too much chemical fertilizer we're not doing the things necessary to encourage good health in the plant yeah so we have to use more pesticides and so on right so how do we go about making these changes how do we go about correcting the soil problems right well It helps if we know what the problems are to start with.
1: By the way, you're listening to the Zamzo's Garden Show. This is a pre-recorded show. I'm here with Jim Zamzo. I'm Nolan Guthrie, your host, and we're talking about soils. We're talking about putting things back and getting things back to a balance. I've been thinking a lot about that recently and trying to help people understand that Knowing what a healthy plant looks like, not just what it looks like, but what it tastes like, really is a starting point to know when something's going wrong. And, And you brought up taste, and that's actually not something I thought much of, I'd always kind of gone with looks if it you know if it looks this way, it's deficient in this or if it's showing me this thing, so learning how to listen to your plants, what they're telling us really will steer us in the right direction as to how we can help them right. and bring them back to a place that they're going to be healthy in
2: well, I've always thought, and I was taught this way by c. J. Finzow, that insects and diseases are nature's garbage collectors, yeah. So if we've got a lot of problems with insect and disease pressure, that means there's something wrong in the soil probably. There's something wrong with our light, air, water, and or nutrients. Yeah. Usually we've got the first ones taken care of, but the last one is nutrients. How do we balance those things, and how do we know whether we're on the right track or not? If we're in agriculture, we can have our soils tested. We can afford to have our tests done and spend 50 or $60 a test on them to figure out what's wrong. In a small garden, that's very difficult to do. Sure. So in my practice of formulating nutrients for soils over the years, I try to be pretty generalized. I try to make sure that we've covered all the bases so yeah. people don't have to go test their soil for iron or, or you know, for nitrogen deficiency or something. The rest of it is just a a matter of education on how people can actually do a good job of raising their soil. And you are, in fact, raising soil before you raise your plants. And you need to take a break, but I will continue this. Yeah, I know. This is is
1: fantastic stuff, and it'd be great to carry this on into the next segment. So we'll come back. The
2: ZAMSO's Garden Show will be
0: back right here on News Talk 670 KBOI.
2: Hi this is Jim Zamzo and if you have outdoor pets, backyard chickens or livestock you need to keep warm, Zamzo's has what you need. Like heated dog bowls with chew proof cords that keep water from freezing. We also have floating and submersible stock tank heaters and pond heaters and bird bath de icers to provide water for the wild birds. For dogs we have heated kennel pads and inserts you can use to turn any bed into a heated bed for dogs or cats. Zamzo's also has heat lamps for backyard chickens and a huge selection of pet beds in all sizes, styles and colors. And you may not realize that the biggest and best selection of premium dog food and toys and treats for dogs is not at some big box store, it's at Zamzo's. We've been in the animal nutrition business for almost 90 years and formulate our own premium pet foods. And when it comes to dog toys, no store in the state of Idaho has a bigger or better selection than Zamzo's. So come see us.
0: Broadcasting from the Empire Tidal Studios, we are our news talk KBOI.
1: And we are back with the Zamzo's Garden Show. I am your host, Nolan Guthrie, and we are having a conversation with Jim Zamzo. This is a pre-recorded show, so we're not uh, taking phone calls today, but uh, stick around because it's going to be some uh, great topics of discussion. And Jim, we were talking about how you formulate things and what you kind of do to get a product to market and be the best that it can be for anybody, really. And with that in mind, let's go back a little bit and let's talk about what is it that makes up the basics of soil? What's in it? You know, we talked some about how a soil is created and some of the parts to it, but I know there's more going on this. Soils was one of those things I loved in college. It's almost one of the most boring subjects. It can be, at least if you're not really looking at the right thing. But what I saw was life. There's so much happening in a soil and just a small, small amount of soil. The amount of things that are going on is just insurmountable. And so kind of take us through that a little bit, the raw stuff.
2: Well, you know, I've been studying the soil in depth for probably 50 years. And uh, what I realize is the more I learn about the soil, the more I realize I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, right. Let's assume that you've got a sandy loam soil Mm -hmm. as a base that's got adequate levels of carbon or humus in it. Okay. So let's look at a basic soil and see what it is that we really need to have. Dr. Albrecht used to say, we have to look at the cation exchange capacity of the soil and in what position the cations are.
1: I love cation exchange classes. It's one. Of, it's a weird thing to say that I love, but it's one thing that I really I keyed in on when I was taking a soils mm. class. To me, that always seemed like a very important bit. I don't know if you can explain what that is. It's a word that's not used quite often in most of our
2: vocabulary. Uh, that's that's pretty weird to like the CEC. The <laughs> I know, <story>. right? <laughs> I know. <Okay>. Like <laughs> anyway. I was taught that the cation exchange capacity of the soil was the horsepower of the soil. Yeah. And that means what performance can this soil give you as far as yield and quality goes? But the cation exchange capacity, it means the soil's ability to hold cations. Well, what are the cations? They're calcium, magnesium, potassium, and sodium, and some hydrogen uh, in there. but If we have those four cations in a good position in the soil, then we usually got a pretty good friable soil, meaning it absorbs and holds water pretty well. It also allows our organic material to decompose into humus rather than into alcohol, Mm. and it means that we have the ability to feed the plant as though the the plant is feeding off of a smorgasbord as opposed to being forced. So on that cation exchange capacity we have calcium which should be in you know roughly I'm not, I'm just going to estimate here but roughly 65% magnesium about 15% mm-hmm. potassium about 6% and then sodium around 1% or less right a lot of people say uh, because of the way that romans did Carthage yeah. by putting salt into the soil that right. we should keep salt away from soil truth of the matter is the sodium It acts as an electrolyte in the soil right. Which helps to move ions into the plant and so on so if you have a soil that has calcium magnesium potassium and no sodium You've still got a soil. that's relatively dead. It doesn't have any function to it So if we have those four things in place then we go into the trace minerals I guess we should say minerals up front, but we start off, we've got sulfur, which is very, very important. Right. Uh, we've got iron, zinc, manganese, copper, cobalt, and then all the microtraces, including selenium and yeah. vanadium and right. titanium. Yeah, yeah, even. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but probably the most important of those would be boron. Hmm. Boron is responsible for the function of calcium and silicon into the plant.
1: Right. And boron's the one. I'm trying to remember the phrase you've used before about boron.
2: Well, it goes like this. CJ, <laughs> used to, <laughs> CJ used to say that calcium is the prince of nutrients, but boron is the keeper at the gate. That's what it was. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But since then, I've also learned that boron drives silicon into the plant. Mm-hmm. We always think that silica silica, I guess, there's many components there sure. can be silica, silicone, silica. But that component of the plant helps to build structure. Right. So that you don't have lodging. So many times we have crops of grain that are out here laying over, and it's because we don't have adequate structure to the cell. Mm. So we don't have calcium and silica. Right, and so
1: yeah, it's his ability to stand upright. Right. Yeah. In
2: fact, that's why we've bred these low, short straw crops. Ah, interesting. Because uh, there's not enough silica, available silicate silica yeah. in the soil That the big heads on top of the of that Mm. stock the stock won't hold it. So they bred these into where they've got like an eight or ten inch straw instead of an eighteen inch straw. Yeah. Is that interesting? Amber waves of grain has turned into amber waves of stubble. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) So how do we know if we're getting all of those elements? Yeah. Well, we have a lot of laboratories that can tell us that, and if people want to test their soil, that's available to them. But truthfully, we've been doing this long enough in this valley, we pretty much know what the soil requires. Yeah. So in our lawn program, in our Thrive product, all of the materials that we manufacture to nurture the soil literally contain every mineral in the periodic table. So the smorgasbord is there. Right, And you say, well, smorgasbord, what what do you mean? Well, a lot of people don't realize there's two ways that a plant feeds. We can force a plant to feed through the solution in the soil. We can put water-soluble nutrients in there, which are virtually all of the commercial fertilizers, unless they've got something that binds them and ties them up. They're all water-soluble, and they all go in solution. So the plant in order to cool itself transpires right so it releases the water out of the leaf and that cools it through osmosis then it has to draw water up from the root to get more water yeah and when it does that it pulls up anything right. that's in the water so and that's the solution
1: that's the the force-feeding essentially so, of plants so
2: we force feed the plant that's uh, high basically hydroponics in the yeah. soil when you use water-soluble the other way is the ability for the plant to exchange the carbonic acid that it gets from the root tip for these cations that are in the cations exchange capacity and for these other trace minerals that it needs, iron included. So it's kind of like when you go over to one of these big smorgasbord uh, places, and they've got prime rib, and shrimp, and lobster, right, yeah, and peas, yeah. and, and you decide, oh, today I'm going to have a little bit yeah. of roast beef, and I'm going to have some peas, and I'm going to have some lettuce. Well, that's what the plant is doing. Right. Oh, I need, a, I need a little bit more boron to drive this silicon up into my plant into my cells because I need more yeah. cell structure. The plant actually has the ability to do that. Right. So it sets at this wonderful smorgasbord that is fixed in the colloid of the soil, And by that, I mean it's tied up in there so that it doesn't wash out of your topsoil and go into the Boise River, where water-soluble nutrients will do that, unless we have enough soil structure to hold on to them. And in a lot of cases, we don't. Yeah. So... That's kind of basically the nuts and bolts of the yeah. soil, if no, you will. No, it's
1: fantastic conversation. Very in-depth, very enlightening to a lot of those things. I mean, those are things that we want to know when dealing with this. We want to get better at gardening. We want to treat our soil better. We want to have better fruits and vegetables. You know, these are things that we want to know. So we've got a, a little bit of the a... Sam
0: Samso's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk 670 KBOI.
3: Hi, this is Callie Zamzo, here with my dad, Jim Zamzo, along with my brother, Joss. Callie
2: and I wanted to share with you just how much Grandma Z's lamb and vegetable dog food we're selling. It's off the charts. So folks are really flocking in to get it, huh?
3: Here come the dad jokes.
2: Well, have I ever been sheepish about telling folks what I think? No, Dad, but we're trying to tell people why Grandma Z's lamb and vegetable is such a great dog food. Well, lamb meal is the first ingredient, along with wholesome brown rice, mixed fruits and vegetables, even a complete vitamin mineral pack. And we're not trying to fleece the public or pull the wool over their eyes. That would be a bummer.
3: As in an orphan bummer lamb. Good one, Dad.
2: That was actually bad. Hey, kids, I'm not trying to be the black sheep of the family here, but folks really are switching to Grandma Z's lamb and vegetable in record numbers.
3: Can you wrap this up for us, Dad?
2: So if you want a great dog food, switch to Grandma Z's lamb and vegetable from Zamzo's. Did you just say you as
0: in female news talk doesn't have to be boring. Weekday mornings at 5. It's Casper and Chris on 670 KBOI.
1: Okay, and we are back here on the Zamzo's Garden Show for one more segment. This is a uh, pre-recorded show talking with Jim Zamzo about soils, and we're getting kind of a deep dive into soils. I'm your host, Nolan Guthrie, and uh, we've got a little bit of time left, Jim. So I have a feeling that there's a lot of people out there that, you know, have been in the Treasure Valley. They know, they've heard all the commercials. They've maybe heard you talk. They've seen you around They know who Jim Zamzo is. And uh, I would imagine that a lot of people, if given the chance, would say, Jim, what is is the one thing? There's a lot of things we need to do in our garden. Lots of stuff goes into it. But what's the one thing that you would say is going to be the best thing for me to change or add to what I do in my garden that's going to do the most benefit?
2: Well, I think... Probably the most often seen deficiency that I see in the soil is one of finished carbon. Mm. And we seldom get enough compost in our soil. Yeah. But the problem that we have, if I were to say generally add more compost, that is, that is so general that people are going to be putting in uh, composted wood bark, are sure. going to be putting in uh, composted chicken manure, which is, you know, the, the wood bark is too high in carbon, the chicken manure is too so high, high in nitrogen, so yeah. it's out of balance. But if you added finished compost... And finished compost by definition is when you, if you were to reach into your compost and pull out a handful of it, you would not be able to tell what the mother material is. Right. Yeah. Okay. That means that it's broken down enough now that the plants and the soil can utilize it. Yeah. The microbes of the soil can function, but truthfully, there's enough nutrients available there that the plants can ac- actually utilize yeah, it. Yeah,
1: I've had that question come up over the years where somebody will say, you know, I'm doing this compost pile. When do I know it's ready? When is it done? And I think that's a great thing. You can. It doesn't look like plants anymore. Right. Now it looks like soil. Yeah. So I really like this story. It was a time where you had come back from your training and you were talking to Grandma Z. Right. And you said, Grandma, I think we can make your garden better. Yeah. Would you mind just sharing that story with us? Because I I really like it. And so it's a little self serving.
2: I was pretty much trained conventionally. I was taught about chemical fertilizers, chemical pesticides. Dad sold all of those things and 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 in my university classes and right. and specialized classes were all pretty conventional in nature. So I thought I knew it all at, in my early 20s. So I went over to Grandma's <laughs> house and I said, Grandma, uh, what you need to do in your garden, of course I know it all at 22, right? You need to put some 16, 16, 16 on your garden. And she said to me, you stay out of my garden. And I thought... Grandma, <laughs> I mean, I I know some stuff here. <laughs> and she said, You know what, James? We never had the money to put any fertilizer on our corn crops when they were growing. She said, All we ne- did was we used composted manure. She called it baneral. <laughs> <laughs> she used composted manure and she said, You know, we had wonderful crops. But she said, after the war, when our neighbors started using those chemical fertilizers, they started having corn earworm and, and cane borer and all kinds of, of insects that they hadn't had before. And she said, I don't know if that's what caused it, honey, but I I know I don't want you to put any of that in my garden because there's nothing wrong with my garden. Right. Well what she had done because they didn't have any money. Basically, they were original organic growers right, because they yeah. didn't have any money to put chemicals on. Yeah. Grow, so they, they just grew organically the whole time and they had very good results with it. The problem that we have is with the pressures of population growth, hmm. we've got to increase our yields. Yeah. And in order to feed this huge population growth that we have worldwide, if we don't increase our yields, we're not going to be able to feed them. The problem is not that there's something wrong with nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium because right. those are the three most limiting uh, elements yeah. in growing any crops. Absolutely. The problem is our overuse of them and not balancing our soil out with the carbons and the trace minerals and so on. We know that by overfeeding our soil that we make our plants weak and we make them susceptible to these insects and diseases. So that was grandma's story. And actually she got me thinking and, uh, you know, you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, Holism is about using all that you know. Yeah. So we want to use our conventional methods, but we also want to use our organic methods and our natural methods to gain some kind of balance in our crops. And, you know, there's just nothing better than looking in your garden and seeing all these huge cabbages and and wonderful peppers and tomatoes. And you haven't put any chemicals on Yeah. Right. That's the great mystery. How do these things grow without all of these chemicals yeah, when we're doing so right. so well? So it takes a while to make a transition from a chemical garden to a more organic garden. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be completely organic in my opinion to be healthy. What you want is chemical free and good healthy crops. Yeah. That's right. not necessarily organic. Yeah. And organic does not necessarily mean that you've got the perfect soil that doesn't have any chemicals in it either. Sure. There's sure. a little fibbing and cheating going on in that business, <laughs> uh, as I'm sure you must know, yeah. as there is in any business.
1: Yeah. Well, like you said, I think it's, it's about balance. No one thing is bad. No one thing is bad by itself on its own. Right. It's the overuse. All things are good. Not all things are profitable. We want to keep all those things in mind. And I hope that through these talks, what we're bringing up is just the idea of just pay attention look at what's happening look at what you're using let's try to improve just a little bit every single time one of the things I brought up in the original show was that every single year that you're a gardener you're going to learn something so just learn a little bit more and share that with somebody because somebody else is gonna have the opportunity to learn that implement it and have a new result and a new experience that they're gonna be able to share with somebody else And thus, we continue this tradition of raising up gardeners and getting to the point where we're actually really good at it. And we can do it in a way that is healthy, is good for the soil, is good for the earth, is good for the places that we live and the places that our kids grow up. And the things that we drink, eat, and do are influenced by just our small little part in all of this. So, Jim, thank you so much for coming in and spending the time with me. Thank you for (laughs) playing to my request to to hear the stay out of my garden story. I love getting to talk with you. I get something out of it every time. And thank you very much for facilitating this for
2: us. It's been great to be here, Nolan. Thank you.
1: Yeah, so we uh, are about done here for this week, and uh, I think we're going to have uh, another one of these eventually, so we'll have kind of a three-part. We'll talk a little bit more about soils, maybe some more about animals and pets and the things that go into that and why ZAMZO's is doing Hi, this is
3: Callie ZAMZO, and I want to have a serious conversation about a problem we're seeing a lot of right now. I call it getting ED. Whoa, Callie, did you just say ED? Yes, Joss. It's an acronym for a big problem we see this time of year, ED getting everything done in our yards and gardens before winter. Uh, Kelly, I think that acronym is already being used for something else. That may be, but getting ED in your lawn and garden is a real issue. And I want people to know ZAMZO's is here to help with a free printed checklist you can pick up now at any ZAMZO's. It includes things like leaf bags, raking up your lawn, applying ZAMZO's recharger, and renewing your lawn program for next year at this year's price.
2: And that's just a few of the many things folks need to be doing for fall. So your idea for a free checklist is a good one. Let's do it.
3: Great, then everyone can get ED. By
2: that you mean get everything done.
3: Exactly. So come pick up your free ED checklist now at any of our 13 Zamzos. But Kelly, can't we think of a better acronym?